Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast, asking how you keep the creative spark alive as you grow from a small to a mid to a large agency. We could fill an entire series by examining all the case studies of all our members and how they've managed to keep that creative spark alive. So we're going to split this series up slightly and focus on one agency per episode in this particular mini-series. To begin with, we're going to hear from Becky Sims, who's the founder and CEO of Reflect Digital, as she tells us how they began from a small coffee table operation with only two employees to where they are now as a member of Lab Group. So to begin with, I asked Becky to explain how Reflect Digital came to be in the first place. Perfect. Thanks, Christo. I'm Becky Sims. I'm founder and CEO of Reflect Digital. And Reflect Digital has been going for 10 years now, actually. We just literally last month celebrated our 10th birthday. Not quite how we would have wanted to celebrate (laughs) it in normal times. Um, Yes, I imagine. Yeah, which is a shame, but don't worry, we will be having that party. So uh, so there's still an (laughs) invite list that you can get your name on, Chris. (laughs) Thank you very much. But yeah, so so we're a search agency predominantly, and we unite human behavior creativity and tech and we sit as part of the lab group so that's been since September 2019 and and as a group of agencies we're we're trying to reshape the digital world and use human insights so um yeah it's exciting stuff yeah definitely and I got over that amount of time things must have changed so much for you I mean how I know that when you started it was effectively a sort of two-person team at a kitchen table so how have things evolved over that time? You know, are you, was it incredibly scrappy when you when you began or was this something that you knew you'd always wanted to do? So so my passion for running a business was from watching my dad run a business. So I'd always had this dream that one day I'd do that as well. And I never wanted to run his business, but nice. I, I, that kind of, that's where the dream came from. And I just, so, so left school, started doing jobs, but jumping around on like my early CV is one of those CVs that probably most of us go, Oh, I've moved that out of the pile because <laughs> they can't stay anywhere or they don't seem to know what they want to do. But that was me. I didn't really know. And then I fell into a digital agency and fell in love and just spent kind of three or four years just soaking up, learning about digital and what it could do. And then I was like, let's give this a go. And and yeah, that started the scrappy, not really a plan. Let's just <laughs> wing it. And, uh, and to be honest, we're still winging it bit now who isn't that runs an agency it's um yeah exactly it's part part of what we love and why we do it i think so uh so yeah it's um it definitely was very scrappy then and just trying to i mean i still can't believe the first customer actually our first ever customer is still a customer today which is madness and an amazing testament to (laughs) i was gonna say that really is a good testament (laughs) i know such testament to the team for for looking after them and, and keeping them engaged for 10 years with us as an agency but I still remember like doing that pitch and kind of walking out of that meeting thinking this is the first time I've tried to sell us as a company and, mm. and not been selling a different company and trying to get them to trust me that that I was going to be able to deliver and at the same time in the back of my head I'm like I really hope I can deliver <laughs> like but I'm telling them I definitely can so yeah it's blooming difficult it's uh, it feels a lifetime ago um, and I suppose 10 years is a blooming long time isn't it? Oh, got it. I'm sure it feels like it. But so what was that mm. sort of, the, what was the journey then from kind of that two person tiny team up into where you are now? 
So we started growing and we started with kind of freelancers. I did a bit. We had a dev team based in the Ukraine for a while um, that my uncle um, had an involvement with. He'd helped set them up in business. So that that actually got us on our way because we were more design and dev on day one, I'd say. Um, and I suppose I was just gravitating to what I knew. So actually being I wasn't a subject matter expert, as it were. Mm. I was uh, I'd always been in account management and account director. So okay. I'd come from this. I can sell it and I can look after the customers and I can give them ideas but I can't actually do any of it like so I had to surround myself and find people and and go through that learning curve and I suppose that's a steep learning curve actually hiring people into a role that you're not an expert at yourself so like especially on the tech side we had a few um a few mistakes over the years of of trusting someone and and they probably wholeheartedly thought that they had the right skills to do what they needed to do but there was no buffer there like our head of technical now he would he'd be able to sniff that out a mile off and know that actually you're not quite in the right position for this role etc but yeah. back then it, that's really difficult so that's definitely one of the challenges i think and and i suppose in those earlier years is trying to trying to identify properly what our culture was and hiring the right people for that culture that we're going to fit and blossom so um I still remember the first time I had to say goodbye to somebody and that was just awful and and Mm. it'll always be an awful thing but actually you get more comfortable with it over the years of having it as a really grown-up conversation that actually do you know what you're not the right culture fit and and we're not the right business for you actually you need Mm. to spread your wings and go and do do something else and and it's all those things that actually when you've never run a business before and you're trying to do it and and you're just learning as you go it's um it's blooming difficult but um, and I suppose also there wasn't the same support back then so actually the the amount of content out there and groups and things like the amazing drum and some of the agency groups that are there you didn't have that as much 10 years ago like there was some there was stuff going on and and I'm sure the drum was in existence then but not in the same supportive capacity I think that it is now for agency owners um so I think that was also a challenge is not really knowing where to turn to so I'd kind of started this journey and but didn't necessarily I didn't have like a another agency mentor that could help me and Mm. um and I think that's one thing now that I I quite freely give my time to help support new startups in our world because i just think that it's uh those early years are quite important in shaping where you're going well we had and we'll we'll talk about sort of culture and how you've kept that sort of independent spirit alive as you've as you've gone along but one of the things that you just mentioned there is this idea that you're going to make mistakes and people need to be aware that they are going to make mistakes i saw you wrote a piece on the 10th anniversary which quite i suppose goes quite speaks quite candidly about the fact that people will make mistakes when they start out exactly and i think some of those mistakes you can only make that mistake yourself like it actually if i sat here today and talked about some of my mistakes and and a, and a new fresh agency owner was listening they'd probably nod along but they <laughs> won't really know that mistake until they've made it and actually they've got to make some of those themselves to really learn from it and oh to, god to- yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's one thing to watch somebody else make it but you've got to have that fear of god put into you through your own actions i suppose Exactly. Yeah. And just, and just learning and some of 
and there's also there's there's mistakes I haven't made yet that are probably just around <laughs> the corner because the thing when you run a, a business and, and an agency in the fast-paced world that we're in that you just don't know what's around the corner and and some of the challenges I, I'd say some of the hardest parts of running a business is we've got we've got a really caring culture and and that probably comes from started from me I'm an extremely kind of caring person and and it's really important to me to always be thinking about others and and the hardest thing is you start to build up this team and you've got more and more people within the fold that are under your responsibility and mm. and you want to do best by them at all times and you want to support them and and people come with come with baggage they come with their own problems things that that, that they haven't chosen that happen and and the amount of things that we've helped people tackle over the years and and there's just a massive sense of responsibility that i think um, naive becky back at 23 or whatever I was when I started that said um come on then I'm ready to start a business like I had no idea of that type of responsibility and I guess it's it's quite obvious saying it now but I don't think when you're young and you haven't run a business before that's not on your roadmap you're just like I'm gonna go and do great work and it's <laughs> gonna be amazing we're gonna work for Nike and Adidas and do all these cool things or whatever you're not you know your eye isn't on the fact that wow there's this huge responsibility coming and mm. and you're gonna need to weave that in with everything else that you want to do and and that that's definitely an art Oh, no, certainly, yeah. I imagine it's not as well that never stops developing. You know, that's going to be something that effectively anybody in our line of work or your line of work will continue to have to develop their entire life. Exactly. And I think things like um, over that 10 years, like mental health is something we talk about so much more today than we did 10 years ago. Mm. And like we um, we took the decision probably three or four years ago to get trained as mental health first aiders. So there's a few of us in the company and, and I took that on as well because coming from that caring nature, I was like, I need to understand more about this and how I can help people and, and not be a barrier or a blocker or cause any issues for anyone else. And it's just, it's things like that that move on that that means you constantly have to keep thinking about your own development to be able mm. to support those around you. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like I said, they're kind of flashpoints. Like the, the previous year have meant there's been a bit of a sea change in how the entire industry thinks about mental health. I think, you know, we've, talk, we've spoken about it more in the past six months than we did in, I don't know, the three or four years prior to that. Yeah. So I suppose that culture isn't a fixed point. It's a constantly evolving um, discourse. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, it's interesting because if uh, we've done this over the years, many a time, looked at values within the business and, and we talked and we always talk about us as being quite a family orientated agency, like we're a team of 30 in, in Reflex specifically. Mm. And uh, and it was nice actually at our 10th birthday, Johnny as group CEO at Lab um, joined our, our Zoom celebrations as they were. Um, and and he, he had a few words to say and he was he actually reflected on the fact that we really are a family at reflect it's um there's a lot of businesses that kind of aspire to that but we really have managed to make that our culture and and our people and looking out for our people and everyone that we bring into our own fold so that's our clients and and our partners etc they all become part of that family and it's um it's really beautiful to see that that has stayed the test of time from two or three people to to 30 plus because it is that wider sphere of those that get brought into into the family as it were Mm. i think that's fascinating and you know we should probably get into the topic of of this podcast actually which is how do you keep some of those fundamental core aspects of your of your mission alive as you've scaled up from you know two to thirty 
So I wondered, beyond just the, the, the desire to run a business as your dad did, what were some of the core tenets that you really wanted to impart when you started the business? So I wanted to create somewhere that people loved coming to work. And I think um, I'd had where I'd jumped around a bit and had a few different different roles in, in my years. I, I'd had so often that Sunday night sick feeling where you're like, oh, God, I don't <laughs> want to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. And and I'm not going to lie. Right? We, there's no one that's immune to that of, oh, do you know, what? it's going to be sunny tomorrow. I'd much rather not go to work and, and have a day and, and sit in the garden or whatever like that. That's that's there forever for everyone there's always things that we might rather do but when you've got it to that point where you're like I really don't want to go to work and and I just wanted to create this place where everyone loved on the whole coming to work and loved the team that they work with and loved what they do and felt empowered to to be able to do it and to be the best at it and and I think um having worked in different roles and seen some amazing leaders and seen some rubbish leaders I actually probably thank the rubbish leaders the most for helping me work out what I didn't want to be as a as a leader in a business and and how to how to make sure that the team felt really valued and driven and motivated and felt like it was their place of work not just somewhere like someone else's place that they come to to every day or turn up virtually to every day it's um yeah I think that was to me the most important thing alongside being able to do some amazing work for clients and really making sure that that we deliver and uh, and I suppose anecdotally coming back to working at other agencies not having that focus on um just the the financial numbers of right we've got to hit this target but actually <laughs> making sure if we're selling something to a client that it's 100 percent what that client needs and it's going to turn the dial and it does all the things they expect it to and and i think again we've managed to as we've scaled kept that throughout team and and there's not a single person that I uh, doubt in my team that would would stand up and say no to a client if they thought Do you know what that's not a good use of your budget right now um can, can we yeah. talk to you about it so um so yeah no that's that was probably the drivers really but I mean even to begin with that must have been hard to square that circle between wanting to create that environment but also managing to actually keep the business going and, and making sure that it was financially viable yeah, yeah. And we definitely had our ups and downs and we've taken on finance over the years, which which sometimes in hindsight, you think, oh, was that the right thing to do? Or were we, should we have scaled back? Because I think we probably, we grew mm. relatively quickly and then we then we kind of hit a bit of a plateau and then we grew again and, and, and that happens actually. And it's funny that uh, sometimes you're, I can remember a couple of years ago, we'd had like our best quarter ever and we were flying and life was amazing and nothing could get better. And then we went into a really rubbish quarter and there was just a couple of deals that we were expecting to win that we didn't. And the highs and the lows of that as an agency is is really hard to to weather yourself and to make sure that you remember that um, – that you set the weather in the agency so actually if you're finding it really hard and you're a bit miserable about Mm. it then that energy is going to go across everybody and I think again that was that was quite a a moment to realize that and to go hold on a minute we've got to that's part of being a leader isn't it to to be able to to shoulder those challenges but to, to help the team to to keep the energy and keeping the direction and uh yeah it's tough <laughs> and how did the how then do you get buy-in from people who are coming into the company you know when it's growing from two to 30 how do you make sure that the people you are 
you know, interviewing for the, those positions, how do you ensure that they actually share those values? Or is it something you can sort of impart once they're in the business? So it's a bit of both. So we we always talk about values in interviews and we always ask um, candidates to tell us how they can show examples that they live these values already in their own lives, whether that's in a in a previous job or whether that's at home and, and with their friends or whatever it may be. But let's have some live examples that these values are their values as well. Um, and then I think we make it part of the way we work and, and what we talk about with people and, and their reviews will come back to values as well. So I think that becomes part of it. Um, but we also say so one of the things we introduced probably two years ago now is um at the well when they first are hired they get told that obviously that first three months is a probation but that they should really make sure they're thinking about the probation themselves as well because it's as much as us agreeing if we think they're right for the role and for the company as it is for them to think are they right for the role and for the company uh, and if at the end of that three months um, they were to decide that it's not right for them we actually pay them a bonus to help them make that decision to leave because I think there's a real um, there's a real difficulty in that sometimes people think oh but I need to keep this on my CV it needs to be a bit longer I'll just stick it out and then they're there for maybe a year and then they leave and actually the damage of someone leaving after a year and the kind of the investment as a business and the investment in clients getting to know them etc versus three months and then going you know what yeah this isn't for me I'm gonna I'm gonna take my exit now um so we have that option and then obviously if they choose that they want to stay which so far um, since we introduced this uh, no one has said they wanted to leave which is which is pretty nice um, <laughs> but if they want to stay they get to pass that bonus onto whoever in the team has made them feel most welcome within their first three months which is a lovely thing to do because they then they normally end up splitting it with a couple of team members that have really really welcomed them but it kind of encourages everyone as well to get to know new team members because it's uh they know there's there is potentially something in it but also it's just that chance to kind of cross pollinate across teams etc yeah I think that's really interesting. I like this idea that it's as much a, you know, when when you start a role, it's as much the employee feeling out the values as it is kind of the employer and, mm. you know, finding that sort of consensus about what actually matters to both. So I suppose the, the question then is, how did you manage to stay on top of all of that? Because obviously your role will have changed as the company grew. So how much time did you actually have to yourself to think about, you know, are we staying true to these values? Not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what we, so so my husband Paul runs the agency with me and some of the best things we've done over the years is uh, most summers actually we, my parents have a place in Spain and we'll go and we'll work from there for two or three weeks and we'll be mainly offline unless we're needed but we actually take it as time out because it is so hard when you're running at 100 miles an hour to think about this some of this stuff and to and to take a step back to look at what's happening um but I think also for us it's been forming that leadership team below us and making sure that they they live and breathe these values as well and that it's not just on our shoulders to make this happen in the business but that we've got some real champions and and we've you know we've got um our first ever employee is still with us today we've got quite a few team members that have been with us a long time so actually they regulate a lot of this without us needing to do anything anyway because they're there in the teams just living and breathing it day to day and they therefore 
help those around them to see how we work and and to display and i think i suppose this last year has been an interesting challenge in in onboarding people remotely but actually i can already see some of the people we've onboarded remotely they just they feel like a reflect person already which is amazing testament yeah that's got to be such a challenge at the moment such a challenge it really is and and we've onboarded onboarded some um some real juniors as well. We had some interns over the summer um, as well as we've hired some junior roles. And I think that's an even bigger challenge because uh, you don't know what you don't know. And if this is your first proper job and you're sat in your living room at home on a laptop that someone posted you and, and you turn up to work, it's um, it's it's not normal, is it? It's not how we <laughs> no, definitely operate. not, no. Oh, my God, um, it's like the opposite of normal at the moment, it feels like. Really, it really is. But um, but yeah, but we've managed to find our way through it. And I think part of that is the resilience that we've built in the team and the strength of team that we've built to really kind of focus on what we're doing. And, and everyone has a voice, I think, at Reflect, which is, is something I've tried to, to always empower people to have a voice because I think you just, it's those new people in the business sometimes that can tell you the most about your company than, than anybody else because we're mm. all so in the in the thick of it that actually to think about um what's going on and and to try and analyze is sometimes really difficult so yeah everyone has a voice and i think that has helped us as we've grown to really it not need to come from me it's um by making sure we've got the right people and they're trained and they and they understand the vision of where we're going they make it happen it doesn't i'm just there to kind of help lift them up nice and as part of you know a business growing, inevitably there are discussions around you know should we join a larger group, should we consolidate, should we you know partner up with somebody else. You're obviously part of Lab Group now. When mm. did that happen, and what was the sort of the thought process that went behind making sure that your uh, you know your creative principles remained the same? Yeah, and it and it was such a huge decision. So we officially signed papers September 2019. So it's just kind of 18 months or so um, since that happened. But we probably it was a year before that that we were going through the process with with Johnny and the team. Um, we'd met Johnny maybe two years before that and started kind of having coffees. And and anyone that knows Johnny too knows what an amazing brain he is to pick and to to get anecdotes from and to learn from. So it kind of stood just started as a as an agency friendship as it were and and then we started saying well why don't we try and do some work together um johnny then had this this vision to build a group founded on human behavior and trying to bring specialists in and he'd spoken to paul and i about that and we both were like that sounds really interesting um Mm. and because we hadn't been looking to to do anything different we were kind of just continuing to grow but when the option appeared it was kind of like well actually this could give us a real new differentiator in the search space to actually Mm. be able to bring psychology to what we do and behavioral science and we'll go faster together if we can support each other so we then went on this journey of of really trying to make sure culturally there was a good fit and I think that um that was so important to to understand so um unbeknownst to the team we started like they didn't know why we were doing it 
it, but we started working on on projects together and uh, and getting to know each other. And it just became a really natural fit. Their team are very similar to our team, and mm. um, and it literally has just been one big family since uh, since it was announced. And and yeah, it's working so brilliantly, and it's so wonderful to see the teams just bouncing off of each other and supporting each other and setting up training sessions to share knowledge and it's just um it's so exciting because there's more to come for the group and and the growth i mean we invited studio block into the group last summer which was amazing um to do that in a pandemic as well so i still haven't met alex and dines face to face properly which is crazy there's Um, gonna be so many big nights out as soon as we can get back to it I know Soho. Soho will not know what's happened when uh, when the lab office is back. But um, but yeah, it just it felt right. And I think I think anyone thinking about joining a group, it, all I'd say is do it with caution, take your time, mm. make sure you're really comfortable because obviously it's not an easy to reverse decision. And and the good news for us is like I literally haven't looked back once. It just feels like we've kind of always been here now, um, and it's and it's brilliant and it's nice to see our team flourishing from the bigger opportunity of of being in a bigger group. So yeah, so yeah, nice. Um, I suppose then the question is, is there anything you miss about that, you know, two person round a kitchen table time of uh, reflect? You know, is there anything about that time that you wish you could sort of could experience again? I don't think there is because I actually I love the pace and I suppose back then the pace wasn't there because there wasn't enough work to have the pace like as we started to build but for me like I I actually love the buzz of being surrounded by more experts and a bigger team and to be able to to know that actually I I can sit I mean I do a lot of the sales for the agency and I can sit confidently on a call and know do you know what I've got the perfect expert I'm going to bring on to the next call that, that can solve your challenge in like five minutes flat almost um, and it's just so nice whereas in that kind of early phase you're uh, yeah you're you're dreaming of reaching that point and having having to turn work away almost and having too much to do and, and it's a yeah it's a it, for me, I like the pace where we are now. Although I'd quite like to go back to some face-to-face meetings, I definitely, oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely <laughs> missing that. <laughs> well, that's good. I suppose that the, the temptation often is to romanticise that kind of, you know, that time of the early hustle. But it sounds like the hustle is now for you. Yeah, it really is, and we've got such big growth plans, and for us across the group as well, and and being a part of that as well, and being able to input and support the other agencies, it's just um, I just love it. I uh, I definitely love what I do every day, which is really good, and I believe my team do as well, which is uh, which is the most important thing. So I'm kind of living out my dream of what I wanted to do. Great <laughs> oh, nice, work and, and a happy team. So then, as a penultimate question, what would be the sort of the main bits of advice, one or two little bullet points that you'd give to anybody who was looking to emulate your journey from growing from a very small agency up to, you know, to scaling up and maintaining that sort of those core disciplines? So I think it would be finding finding a mentor or a couple of mentors and, and joining some of these groups that are out there for agencies so that you've got people to to learn from and to, I think I I was younger I was more naive there wasn't as much of that out there so therefore I kind of just ended up a bit I had to feel kind of headstrong and confident in my decisions but in doing so I 
if I'd had more help, I think we probably would have grown quicker than we did. Um, mm. Not not that the speed was a problem in the end, and, and I'm really happy where we are, but just in hindsight. So I think it's surrounding yourself with the right people and just getting really good as early on as you can at finding the right people and hiring and firing on your values so that you end up with a team that that really live and breathe the vision of where you're going and, and how you're going to get there. Because I think that like over the years, we definitely had a few toxic people for a while and a toxic person in a in a small people orientated business can do yeah, can do a lot of not damage. Great. That's fantastic. And then as a final question, then, if anybody who's listening would like to pick your brains, or maybe even reach out to you for a little bit of advice, where can they find you? I'd say LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. So yeah, just look for Becky Sims on LinkedIn and you will find me there. And I would love to chat. And uh, well, it'll be a virtual coffee, won't it? Unless, uh, <laughs> unless it's a for few now. months time, then it might be a face to face. But yeah, no, it'd be wonderful. Nice. Fantastic. Well, Becky, thank you so much. That's been absolutely fascinating. And I'm sure that everybody who's listening is going to take something significant away from the discussion. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chris. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.